Promotional consideration paid for by the following. Hold one. Arm drag. Brett screwed Brett. I'm Who are you to, to, to doubt El Dandy? Because this guy's a serious professional. Brett screwed Brett. Hold two. Arm bar. Hey, get a nice shot of the brand new Mr. and Mrs. Hunter Hurst Helton. I hate you. I hate you. I hate your hat. I hate your t-shirts. I hate your wristbands. I hate your shoes. I hate your music. I hate the C Nation. I hate everything that you stand for. Soda's rule. Yeah, they do. <laughs> Hold three. The Moss Covered. Three-handled family redundant. It's me, Austin. It's me, Austin. It was me all along, Austin. Just when they think they got the answers, I change the questions. Welcome to the Pro Wrestling Mike of the World in Cleveland, Ohio. I am your dangerously, dashingly, strikingly, sexy, ever so smooth talking, ever so amazing host, Nick. And with me, as always, is Matt. Hello, wrestling people. Nick, that description you give yourself, is it me or does that list get longer and longer? If it gets longer and longer, it's only because it's well-deserved. I am the greatest human being that has ever lived, and I apologize if no one else feels that way. However, it is the truth. You just apologize to literally everyone on Earth. <laughs> Thank you for, for that vote of confidence. I appreciate it. How are you, Matt? Oh, I'm doing pretty good. How are you doing? I'm good. You know, we have a little bit of a, a heat wave coming through Cleveland, you know, uh, the past couple of days. I think it's hit like what, maybe like anywhere from the 90s to like the mid 90s. It's been hot. It's been disgusting. And with the terrible. heat index, it's like in the hundreds. Yeah, it's 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 really brutal. Um, but anyway, if you want to hit up the show, the Gmail is ProSingPod at gmail.com. Again, ProSingPod at gmail.com. Facebook is Facebook.com slash ProSingPod. Once again, Facebook.com. Slash Pro Wrestling Pod. The Twitter is at Pro W Podcast. Once again, at Pro W Podcast. Pro Wrestling Pod.blogspot.com is your official website. Blogs, episodes, interviews, all kinds of goodies there. This week, we actually had two blog posts. I posted a blog post and you posted a blog post. You made your debut blog post. Oh, yeah. First time ever. I did a and, little blog post there about the 24 7 championship. And uh, five ways I think that they could improve on it. So if you're interested in that, give it a check out. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I fully think that, uh, you know, I, and this is something obviously that we'll be getting into, um, you know, as, as things go on, as, as the show progresses and everything. But the 24-7 championship is obviously something that we're going to be touching into. My contribution this week was the five best comeback stories in wrestling and i had a lot of uh I, I i like doing these these top five lists typically i am the one doing the blog post and 
honestly, when I was looking at some of these comeback stories, I was just surprised at how many there are, quite frankly. And when I say comeback story, I mean, like, maybe something like a, a, a tragic thing happened in someone's past that kind of uh, derailed their wrestling careers, but then they overcame that obstacle. Um, and it, But the, it's for the most part is what that list is. There are some actual shock returns I put into the list. It's a really great article in my personal opinion, but then again, I also wrote it, so I'm, of course I'm biased. Of course, if you want to check that out, as well as your post regarding the 24-7 championship and what they can do to improve on it, prowrestlingpod.blogspot.com is the website, available on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, and right here on Anchor. <sighs> so, we have a show for you today. I want to talk a little bit, we're going to dive briefly, I suppose, maybe even a little bit more long-term in the pay-per-view that was Extreme Rules. We're going to be talking, of course, 24-7 Championship as well. A name turns face, which I don't know how many people could say they really saw it coming. Meanwhile, a familiar face returns to the fray, and his name rhymes with fray, ironically. Uh, a reunion show of some sorts, which we're going to be talking about, as well as a former WWE star to Impact, which let's start right there. Let's just kick things off with a former WWE superstar now appearing on Impact. And that superstar is known as the War Machine. I even heard him being called the Gore Machine at one point, which I thought was awesome. And that is Rhino. Now, from what I understand, and you know, correct me if I'm wrong, because you're going to know this way more than I would, I thought for sure he was still under contract to WWE. When he made his debut at Impact, it was actually during the Slammiversary event. And Rhino, who's also known as the War Beast, or the Man War Beast. Beast. Man Beast, yeah. That's what it was, yeah. Um, he appeared at the end of the show. There was a match for the world title there. Yeah, Michael Elgin versus uh, Brian Cage. Okay, now these two former tag partners in a different promotion. Uh, forgive me, I, I'm not sure what promotion it was, but um, Elgin had lost the match, and he proceeded to drag in Don Callis, who is a play-by-play guy. Who is also known as Cyrus from the original ECW. And he was getting ready to basically beat him up. Right. And all of a sudden, a guy steps in the ring wearing a mask. But you can tell long hair, kind of a thick guy. He gets down the stance for the gore. And he gores Elgin. And uh, Josh Matthews is on commentary. He's like, who... Wait, what? Who is that? Like, kind of surprised. Right. But, I mean, everyone knew Rhino. Now, as you said, he, he was under a WWE contract and all that happened. Right. But, I don't know, maybe it's because he wore a mask, maybe it's his long history at the company. WWE actually didn't really have too much of a problem with it. Yeah, and I thought that that was kind of the interesting thing, because when it comes to contracts, WWE is very uh, protective of the wrestlers, as they should be. And I thought it was really a shock to 
to find out that he appeared in, in Impact. But I think at the same token, WWE was kind of under the impression of, A, we're not even really using him. Uh, B, I, I don't think that they really... Maybe they even talked with to Rhino about this. I don't know for sure. Maybe Rhino was like, yo, I'm not going to AEW. I'm going to Impact. And maybe that's why WWE didn't have a problem. I don't know the logistics, the legalities of it, but... I really do think that WWE, they must have had some kind of talk with Rhino to where they were just 100% okay with him showing up in another promotion. Because if you're under a contract, I mean, they're not going to allow you to do that unless if you ask for permission and they grant it to you. I'm glad you mentioned AEW because that was like my first thought when I seen it. I'm like, well... Okay, maybe they're allowing this to happen because it's not AEW. Maybe it's that kind of thing, you know? But um, then, I don't know if you actually heard about this, but last night at the Impact tapings, Rhino showed up, Gord Elgin again, no mask. Well, I mean, hey, more power to him. I mean... Uh, I do remember an interview Rhino did with Chris Van Vliet where he said that he still feels like he has more to offer than uh, what WWE can give him. And he, he, I think he said that WWE offered him double his salary and he turned it down. And assuming that that was out of fear that he was going to go to AEW, here's the problem I have. Okay, and it's not just with Rhino, but really it's with a lot of guys. Whenever there's a guy who's a free agent, no matter how big of the name is, we instantly think that person's going to AEW now. Like, we're skipping over Impact, we're skipping over Ring of Honor, we're skipping over New Japan, um, we're we're skipping over every other possible scenario that there is. And we're just, like, assuming that AEW's going to have, like, 500 names by by the time that their TV deal comes into play. And I, I agree with you on all of that. And I think you're going to start seeing this with WWE, them offering these big contracts to the people who are about ready to leave just because they don't want AEW to really blow up because it's backed by the owner of the Jacksonville Jaguars. So they got some money. Yeah, I I mean, I don't think anyone's necessarily going to argue that point because it is, again, as a lot of people have mentioned, it's a very Ted Turner-esque kind of situation that Cody and the Bucks and Omega's kind of walking into right now to where it's almost a borderline infinite checkbook. And we all saw what happened in the 90s with that. I mean, you saw all of the names that came by from WWE and ECW, for that matter. Uh, Lex Luger was there in the very first night of Nitro, and it was a shock. Uh, Scott Hall came through the crowd on an episode of Nitro. And no one knew what the heck was going on. So I think that once AEW does hit, they might do stuff like that. But it's, I think it is kind of foolish for a lot of fans out there to just think that every single name is going to AEW. Yeah, not every name is going to go there. But maybe a few familiar names will show up. Whether it's a former WWE guy, former Impact guy. Uh, Ring of Honor, New Japan, it, it don't matter. AEW, they like all kinds of talent. Now, do you see Rhino ever going to AEW? 
you know what they say, never say never. But uh, actually, I'm glad he chose to go back to Impact as opposed to like AEW or New Japan or, you know, wherever. Uh, Rhino's been in Impact Wrestling before, so there's a little familiar. He's familiar with that, you know. And yeah, I, I I agree with him. I think he does have more left to offer. I think he's one of the most underrated WWE superstars that absolutely that they've had in a while. Because I've always thought that. If they really wanted to, they could have had Rhino go on a singles career. Because lately, they, they were just teaming him up with Heath Slater at the time. I always felt like he can go on a singles career and be a good mid-card guy. Maybe win the Intercontinental title or the United States title. So hopefully with him being an impact, his career kind of gets new life to it. Yeah, I mean, I think it was the right move for Rhino. Um, again, WWE's not really using you. Okay, you know, I mean, R- Rhino does have a lot to offer, you know, and if it's non-WWE, it, I really, I agree with you. I can't really see him going anywhere else, which I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing, you know. I think that if you stay in just one place, that doesn't mean you're complacent. That just means that you're enjoying your time there. And... Rhino clearly has done that throughout the years. He's made a name for himself in a whole slew of different promotions. So why not go back to one of the places that really gave your career second wind, you know? And that's what Impact was during the the early to mid-2000s. It was was a place for these veterans to go to to get a second wind in their careers. You know, Rhino was one. Kurt Angle was another one. Um, At the same time, they're rising stars like AJ Styles, Samoa Joe, Christopher Daniels, you know. So I'm okay if Rhino goes to to Impact, but I don't know if I agree if he would ever go to AEW, which, by the way, I don't know if you've seen this, um, but AEW did release what they call uh, the Road to All Out on YouTube. And it's essentially, I think it was like a 10-minute video um, they release these every now and then to, to hype up their pay-per-views. And this first one just came out. And in it, Jim Ross was interviewing uh, Sean Spears, a.k.a. Ty Dillinger, the former Ty Dillinger. And in the interview, Jim Ross asked the question of, you know, why did you even assault Cody to begin with? And one of the answers he gave, and I'm paraphrasing, was that he was tired of being overlooked. He spent the past few years being overlooked by everyone else in another company, which obviously was WWE, and he said that he was not going to let that happen here in AEW. And it made me actually believe that Sean Spears could actually be a major player, that maybe this will be his second wind to where he could actually be propelled into a star that he should have been in WWE. Yeah, I actually did see that, and I also read something about he's going to have a manager. I don't know if you heard about this. I did, and they revealed who it was, but go ahead. Well, they did reveal who it is, and it's a former Four Horsemen. Yeah, it 
It is. And uh, which obviously it helps his credibility, uh, but totally Blanchard. <laughs> um, I was a little shocked at, at first the way they like, I don't know if you actually saw the video, if you just read about it, but when he first came into the, the shot, I thought it was Paul Ellering at first. And I'm thinking, he's under contract to WWE. But then once he turned around, I'm like, okay, that's not Paul Ellering. But, uh, yeah, that's what I like about, I know we're kind of getting off topic, but that's what I like about AEW is that they're taking a guy like Sean Spears, who everyone said, oh, he was never utilized in WWE. They don't know how to use him, this and that. Well, now you're letting him be a heel. Now you're letting him actually be himself and not this overly tool gimmick of being a perfect 10. And to me, it feels a lot more organic. It feels a lot more natural than what WWE ever did with him. Yeah, sorry about that. I was like looking up uh, Blanchard's actual title. And it says on there he's the exclusive advisor to Sean Spears. Ah, exclusive advisor. I didn't even realize that was a thing. Apparently, we're just making up titles. Why can't they just call him manager? <laughs> or advocate. Oh, I see what you did there. Like, sort of like how you're my advocate, right? I- I'm sorry, Nick. You're breaking up there for a little <laughs> bit. Anyway, so going back around now, Rhino is once again in Impact Wrestling. Good for him. He's happy. That's all that matters. Now, I want to talk to you about something that I don't know how this is going to play out on TV. Okay. And that is a Raw reunion. Now, it's no secret that, excuse me, I'm sorry. I'm having like massive burps over here. So if I'm taking long pauses, that's why. But the Raw reunion, okay, that really threw me off. So Raw's ratings have been on somewhat of a decline. And in response, USA has been pushing WWE to do various things. Uh, one of the things was essentially an- ending the brand split, which I'm not a fan of to begin with. And then what rose from that was the wild card rule, which we all know how well that was received. And now they are, they advocate, advocated, if, if that's even the right term, a raw reunion of sorts to where for, I guess, no real apparent reason. It's not like this is a major milestone in raw history. It's just a reunion of just past names coming on. And uh, there really wasn't much advertising behind it. They started advertising thing maybe like two weeks out, give or take. Um, and, and you're going to run down the list of names, but you know, there's, I, I would say the usual suspect of names. And then there are some more obscure ones. Yeah, there's a long list of names. And this is kind of like a random high school reunion. I mean, usually they have it at like 10 years, 20 years. And this one is just reunion. So, I mean, yeah. it's like people from all different eras here. Uh, you said... You mentioned that I have the list of names. You want me to run that down right now? Yeah, go for it. Why not? 
Okay, there's some interesting names on here. Uh, we got the Boogeyman. He's coming get, to get you. Yes. We got the former five-time WCW champion, Booker T. Sucker. We have Christian, yeah, which okay. su- surprisingly, I'm not seeing Edge's name on here. You would think where Christian is, Edge would be. That is interesting. I, th- I thought for sure Edge would have been on it. Uh, Devon Dudley. Okay. And it'll, it'll be interesting to see if uh, his tag partner, Bubba Ray or Bully Ray. I thought you were going to say Deacon Batista. No. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, we're we're sticking like, with the Dudley boys here, Nick. I mean, Devon's not really known too much for teaming with Batista. Oh, come on. You love the Deacon. I love the Deacon. <laughs> All right, let's move on before I make some really terrible jokes. We got the brand new SmackDown uh, executive director, Eric Bischoff. So he is back and better than ever. I think this might be his first time back with them because even since they've made the announcement, he hasn't shown up anywhere, even right. backstage. Yeah. Which so, we're going to get into at least a little bit. Then uh, you got the Godfather. You got Hulk Hogan. Brother. The Hurricane. What's up with that? <laughs> I'm sorry. Anyway. Uh, Jerry the King Lawler. Okay. Jimmy Hart. Kelly Kelly. Kevin Nash. Kurt Angle. Mark Henry. Mick Foley. Ric Flair. Rikishi. The Road Dog Jesse James. Ron Simmons. Damn. <laughs> Santino Marella, your personal favorite. Oh, goody. Scott Hall. There you X- go. X Pac. Sergeant Slaughter. HB <clears throat> HBK. HB Shizzle. I thought this name was a little surprising. Psycho Sid. Yeah, that I, I thought the same thing. Stone Cold Steve Austin. What? Stone Cold Steve Austin. <laughs> what? The Texas Rattlesnake. What? The Bionic Redneck. What? The toughest son of a bitch. <laughs> and we're not talking about you. No. <laughs> uh, the Million Dollar Man, Ted DiBiase. I- I'm actually surprised they listed this name, Triple H. I mean... Hello, he, he may not be there every week, but he, he's there. Yeah, but I mean, to a casual fan, you know. Yeah. Then you got my personal favorite. It's a former tag team. Okay. The Stooges. You got Joe Briscoe and Pat Patterson. Oh, my God. So you have your all-time favorite and... Stone Cold Steve Austin, the Texas Rattlesnake, but yet you're more psyched to see Briscoe and Patterson. Yeah, I did a whole thing with Stone Cold when you were saying what? (laughs) Of all the names, the Stooges. 
you got a lunger blaze. We're just gonna move right on here. <laughs> Lillian Garcia. Now, Nick, can you picture Lillian Garcia announcing Shane McMahon as the best in the world? Oh, you just had to say that because now that's going to happen. Oh, I'm guaranteeing it's going to happen. I'm Uh, calling it. uh, And by the way, I do want to say Lillian Garcia, she is still gorgeous. Yes, she is. Just want to throw that out there. You know who else is is gorgeous? If you say yourself. No, I'm not going to say myself. Okay, who's gorgeous then? Jonathan Coachman. He's going to be there. Who's next on your list? (laughs) (laughs) And Caitlin. Oh, okay. I had to think about that one for a second. That's kind of an obscure one. Yeah, I mean, she's a former uh, Proud Diva search. Did she win? I think she did. I don't... I don't know. That is a very good question. Um, but overall, what uh, what do you think of the names? Because obviously we have the usual suspects. Now, before you give me your opinion on that, though, a uh, couple things I need to point out. Two people did decline to be on this episode. One was Brett the Hitman Hart, and the other surprisingly i i was actually shocked that wwe even reached out to this person and that was jim ross and jim ross said in an interview the same one actually with chris van vliet that uh tony khan who is the president of AEW, did not have a problem with him going on this episode but jim ross just out of respect to aew turned down the offer yeah it's probably the right call by jr i, I mean that that would just been kind of weird. And even though he has permission, you got to think, well, how is everyone backstage at AEW? How are they going to perceive him after him going back to WWE for a one-off? Well, well, but what about Billy Gunn? Because he showed up at the Hall of Fame this year, even though he was technically already working for AEW at that point. But that's a little different because he's being inducted into a hall of fame as a member of dx yeah yeah that's a good point well speaking of caitlin is because we were wondering if she won the diva search she did not win but she was a winner of nxt when they had their seasons on sci-fi and she's also a former divas champion as well okay maybe that's where i was mixing the two up with the nxt winner and the raw diva search right but uh, there are some interesting names, like, as I mentioned earlier, Psycho Sid. I'm actually looking forward to seeing that one. I was kind of a fan of his back in the day. And it's yeah. going to be pretty cool to see Santino, Santino Morella. I think it would be great if they can do something with me, the 24-7 championship right there. Yeah, that was a... That was kind of different, them announcing Santino. Like, I mean, I didn't have a problem with it or anything. I was just kind of surprised to see his name on the graphic. You think he's going to bring the Cobra? Oh, absolutely. What about the Unibrow? Oh, Unibrow's coming back. Oh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing his little power walk. To the oh, ring. me too. I, I miss that thing. <laughs> Who's a better power walk, him or Vince? 
That's a that's a tough one right there. Because Vince walks like he owns the company, which obviously he does. But when it comes to Santino's, he just he walks like he's about to break someone's ankles, even though he's not even close to that. Yeah, his ankles. The way how he's <laughs> moving. <laughs> that's a very good point. That's that's accurate. Um, but yeah, I would love to see him in a backstage skit with our truth. And our truth will call him like Nikolai Volkov or something. I don't know. I mean, he calls Jake Maverick Hornswoggle, which I can honestly understand. But yeah. How great would that be if Hornswoggle actually shows up at Raw reunion and he's like standing calls, next to Drake Maverick? I mean, is our truth gonna know who is who? I'm gonna laugh if he calls Hornswoggle Drake Maverick. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway, we're, we're talking all this about the 24-7 championship. Now it's time to move on to my favorite segment of the show, which it's really one of our only segments, and that is who, who, who is your 24-7 champ? Matt, take it away. As of right now, your 24-7 champion, still our truth <laughs> Okay, you said that. Still. Well, well, some stuff went down, Nick. I got to tell you about it. Oh, you got to tell me. Inform me. Enlighten me. Okay, R-Truth, as we saw on Raw, he won the championship during Drake Maverick's honeymoon. Because, you know, Drake Maverick was constipated, as R-Truth says. (laughs) I love Truth. He is a gem. And, And we all finally got to the answer to the one question that's been eluding us for a very long time, Nick. Okay. Drake Maverick wears briefs. That okay. That I didn't really need to know that, but well, it was in the, the skin. I mean, he's he's wearing tidy whiteies. Although, how funny was that when he had the twenty-four-seven championship over, and he was wearing it like his underwear. At first, I thought he was, like, completely naked except for the so belt. Too. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> like, he's standing there, like, smiling, like, all proud that he's wearing this. It's like, dude, no. And then, I don't know if you've seen this, but our truth went to Comic-Con. No, I didn't. Okay, well, he did a sit-down interview with two people from IGN. It's a guy and a girl. And the whole interview, you can kind of tell that they're not wrestling fans. Like, R-Truth is saying that he's got to constantly look over his shoulder at who's coming. And finally the woman goes, well, I take it it's because of your championship. He goes, oh, yeah, it's a 24-7 belt. I have to defend it 24 hours a day, seven days a week. He goes, that's why we call it the 7-Eleven <laughs> TV championship european, european yeah. tv championship you know what i'm saying and the woman's just sitting there she's like uh actually i don't know what you're saying <laughs> but uh our truth was saying that he had to go to this comic-con incognito so then it showed a picture of him dressed up as a penguin oh my gosh the only thing is he's holding the championship bow on his shoulder and he's walking <laughs> around shaking hands and everything and uh, so it cuts back to the in studio part with him talking to those two people. All of a sudden, the hurricane jumps up on stage. What? 
And our truth stands up. He goes, oh, wow, that's a nice hurricane outfit. You look just like him. Well, then a referee joins him on stage. Our truth goes, oh, that's cool. You're dressed up as a WWE referee. He goes, <laughs> you know, Jack Cone, you look just like him, except he's a blonde. <laughs> what? So, so the hurricane rolls up our truth, gets a two count. He stands up and goes, what's up with that? And then takes <laughs> off running. So our truth is just standing there. And then Jake and then Drake Maverick comes out dressed up as a banana. Oh my god. And he totally fell that trying to pin our truth. Our truth like spun out the way and he's like, I'm out of here. And he takes off running. So that was the craziness at the Comic Con convention with uh, IGN. <laughs> Could you just imagine like you're like this innocent bystander who doesn't watch wrestling at all. You know, you're there for uh, to, to meet Walking Dead characters, Star Wars characters, who whatever you're there for. And then all of a sudden you see these goofballs on a stage just wrestling each other. Like, what do you? <laughs> the best part though was when when Drake Maverick came in. Uh, he went to go forward with an attack, and our truth like spun out the way, so Maverick yeah. hit the ground. And the two people doing the interview, they're looking at him. And they one of them goes, "Who are you?" <laughs> and Drake Maverick goes, I'm WWE Superstar Drake Maverick. Oh my god, way to shoot someone down. Oh boy. See that that's why I think that there's a time and a place for that kind of stuff. I like and you would think Comic Con would be one of those places, but I think that if you're WWE you should probably say to IGN, hey, maybe you should get some people down here who at least are somewhat familiar with the product. <laughs> right. But if you guys haven't seen that, definitely check it out. It's worth the time. You'll get a good laugh out of it. Yeah, I'm sure it's probably on WWE's YouTube or IGN. So I'm I'm sure it's somewhere out there on the internet to see. Yeah, but just bing it. Just YouTube it. Anyway, so I want to talk about a certain uh, superstar returning to WWE. And all I got to say is Yowie Wowie. And for weeks, we have seen episodes of the Firefly Funhouse, which depicts Bray Wyatt as somewhat of a of a psycho. Good, psycho, yes, but someone who's seen the error of his ways, and now he wants to be Mr. Nice Guy, very Mr. Rogers-esque, and um, he's doing this. I guess like PBS show style segment to where, um, he, you know, he's talking about painting and gardening and all this stuff. And meanwhile, he has these puppets. One is, uh, Abby, the witch, uh, rambling rabbit, all, all different kinds of puppets who are sort of like his sidekicks. Uh, and as the segments go on week to week, they tend to get a little darker every single week. And, all of a sudden, the episode stopped airing, and we could actually see some of his puppets in backstage segments in the weeks that didn't air. Now, on Raw, we finally saw a returning Bray Wyatt come to the fold. Uh, there was a match between Finn Balor and Samoa Joe, 
Uh, Samoa Joe beats Finn Balor, but after the match, Finn Balor gets the best of Samoa Joe. Finn Balor's in the ring. He's celebrating with fans. Next thing you know, uh, Finn Balor's music comes to like a funny end. The lights go out. They come back on. Bray Wyatt delivers Sister Abigail to Finn Balor, and he is debuting a new look for Bray and a much more slimmer version of Bray like we've seen in all these segments. Um, what's your initial reaction to Bray Wyatt coming back? He looks so much more in shape right now than what I think he's ever looked. Right. I mean, you can definitely tell it. But the whole segment, I thought it was really well done. To the point to where my wife was getting home at the time when they were showing a replay of it. So I actually paused it and I waited for her so I can show her the, the segment. And since the music started fading out, the lights went out, they come back on, she sees Bray Wyatt, she goes, oh, that's uh, that's that one guy. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, Bray Wyatt. She goes, yeah. Like, she couldn't believe that he finally came back on TV. Right. And it was just really well done. Uh, I thought they did a good job with it. Now, to to add on that, um, Rebecca loves Bray Wyatt. She she like it's creepy, which is funny to me because she's not like a horror fan. Uh, she's watched Walking Dead before, but that's like the extent of like her going into like the horror type genre. And we were watching that episode of Raw, and that match came on. She's like. Ah, well, this match is kind of dragging. She's like, I'm just going to take a shower. And the moment I hear that water turn on, Bray Wyatt comes out. And I'm just like, of all times, you're taking a shower. <laughs> this is like the worst time for you to take a shower right now. <laughs> but um, The only thing I'll say, though, is when the music started doing that weird fade out and then the lights went out, I was sitting there. New. Yeah, I'm sitting here going, that better be Bray Wyatt. Yeah, um, I was actually, I, I kind of knew the moment the way the music faded. Um, I kind of wish because, at, and I'm, I'm, forgive me, I don't know what building they're in exactly, but that building was actually reporting uh, having troubles with the electricity like a week prior to Raw being there. So I thought, okay, well, why won't you just play off of that? Why not just kill, like, everything all at once? Kill the lights, kill the sound effects, everything. And the fans will think, oh, great, this place just lost power. But then reality, boom, the lights come on and Bray's right there. Yeah, that would have been a good way to do it, but I still think they pulled it off in a pretty good way. Yeah, they did. They pulled it off pretty good. I mean, I'm not saying they didn't. I just, I think that way would have been a little bit better. But it was one of those things where you were surprised, but at the same time, you weren't surprised. Now, one of the things that we're going to talk about later, which I might as well say this much, not really much of a spoiler because it's been like a week and a half. Since Extreme Rules. So the fans already know, but in case if you haven't, spoiler alert, uh, Brock Lesnar did cash in his money in the bank and became champion. Uh, now, that episode That's of not Raw, a prediction. That's a spoiler. I see what you did there. 
Um, this episode of Raw had a 10-man battle royal to determine the number one contender for Brock Lesnar's title. I really was hoping that Bray Wyatt was going to return in that match in the sense of either he takes someone out beforehand or, you know, you have, like, that last person in the ring, whoever won the battle royal, lights go out, lights go back on, Bray's in the ring, tosses that person out, Bray's the number one contender. Because by WWE logic, if Lesnar can win money in the bank without being in the match, why can't Bray do the same thing? But that's, that's very true. That's just a fancy booking of mine, personally. But yeah, no, Bray looked great. So yeah, he, he looked like uh, he showed up for work. Yeah, I, I mean, he uh, you know he lost the way he got in shape. I really hope that, especially now with Paul Heyman running things on Raw, that we see a totally different Bray in terms not like in terms of just his overall booking. Like, you can't have Bray constantly lose, but then push him to be this monster heel like they were doing. You need to allow him to gain credible wins over legitimate stars, where it's not going to hurt those other stars either. So it's going to be, it's not going to be an easy road to book Bray Wyatt, but it can be done, I think. Oh, yeah, definitely. So we'll see. We'll see how things go with Bray. Um... Now, I, for one, hope that everything goes well. Now, Matt, I do want, before we go any further, I thought we'd try something a little different this week. Okay. And okay. I was looking on Wikipedia, and I thought, what, what, what's the one thing Matt is known for? Being a wrestling encyclopedia. That is your nickname that we have given you pretty much since birth, it seems like. <laughs> we call you the wrestling encyclopedia because not that you know dates specifically, but you remember certain points in history where, oh, so-and-so, yeah, they won this title from this person or, you know, that kind of stuff. And, it, you know, to your credit, you're like Cleveland's version of Howard Finkel, it seems like. So I thought, let's throw a little bit of a curveball at you. I have 10 phrases here. Okay. These are phrase, phrases that are commonly used for backstage lingo or jargon uh, in terms of just like wrestling knowledge. You know, like we know the basic terms backstage, going over, uh, jobber, heat, that kind of terminology. We all know what those mean. Uh, but these are a little bit more obscure than that. And that's what has me nervous because I don't know <laughs> if I'm actually going to get a whole lot of these. So I'm just throwing that disclaimer out there. Uh, you may stump me on this one now, th but that's okay though. This is like the whole point. Like I, I know for a fact, you're probably not going to get a lot of these, if any. And I'm just curious, because, like, I want to hear your definition before I give you the actual definition. Okay? Okay. So I'm just going to go right down the list. All right. First term. Going Broadway. Uh, if you had to guess. Broadway. Going Broadway. Doing things over the top. Good guess. But no. 
Uh, I will give you a hint of a match going Broadway. Um, and of course, nothing comes to mind. One second. I have one, but I'm not sure if it necessarily counts. So, uh, you're not going to get these ones. These are from Ring of Honor. Uh, yeah, you're not going to get any of these. Okay. Anyway, I'll just tell you. Going Broadway is a match that ends in a time limit draw. How did you get Broadway out of that? I, this is my only guess, okay, is that it's such a good match, like it's an entertaining match. And that when it ends in a time limit draw, it's like you're so excited. And it's the same kind of feeling as if you're going to a Broadway play and you're just in love with what's going on stage. Maybe it's some kind of correlation. I, I, that's just my guess. I don't know. All right. Carpenter. Ah, uh, Carpenter. Hasn't... If I had a guess, something about laying down. Well, I'll, I'll I'll give you an example of a carpenter in wrestling. Um, today's carpenters in WWE would be something like Ricochet is doing. Um, a lot of people are crediting Ricochet for doing this, and that is a term for a wrestler whose purpose is to use their in-ring abilities to make their opponents look as good and strong as possible. So, in other words, selling really good is what it sounds like. Yeah, that's what it sounds like. All right. Closet champion. Closet champion? Yeah. Um, there's not really any closet champions in WWE right now that I can think of. And if there are closet champions, they need to come out of the closet right now. <laughs> this is your moment, Matt. Come out of the closet. Maybe a person that won a belt but hasn't aired on TV. Uh, not quite. A title holder that basically ducks out of matches and tries to hide, hide behind stuff to where they don't have to defend their title. Okay, like hiding in a closet. Right, exactly. Okay. Um, like an example would be like, for example, corporate rock as champion, how he would hide behind the like, corporation. The corporation, right? Uh, this one I think is is a fairly easy term. Heater. Someone who gets heat. Yeah, uh, essentially someone a jobber who's used to to. Well, this one says, a jobber who's used against a more valuable opponent to heat them up. So, apparently, there's two different definitions. I, I had no idea. Um, that almost sounds like someone whose main purpose is to lose to get the other guy over. Right. That I think that's essentially it. Uh, this is the last one we'll do. We'll cut it short right here because I want to hear your reaction to this. Hooker. Hooker? <laughs> Hooker. Uh, Trish Stratus, I'm hoping. <laughs> I think we're all hoping for that. <clears throat> anyway, 
No, no, despite popular belief, Trish Trash is not a hooker. Damn. Uh, a hooker is a wrestler with a strong, legitimate mat wrestling ability and an array of match-ending holds known as hooks. So I would assume maybe like an Eddie Guerrero, you know. Dean Malenko. Dean Malenko, right. Someone who Man of a thousand holds. Well, but Jericho is a thousand and four. Explain that one. Jericho's the master hooker. And he has a long list naming all the holds. <laughs> yeah. He's a hooker and, and a and given how long ago that was, I'm sure he's added to that list. Yeah, yeah, he probably has like 2,005 holds by now. But yeah. yeah, so those are some of them. I didn't give you the whole list. Maybe we'll save that for another time. I, I like I like quizzing you on your wrestling knowledge, Matt, because you never cease to amaze me. You got to throw in some easy ones. Make me look good for the people, <laughs> Nick. I'm just like, let's bury him on air. Yeah, just bury him. (laughs) All right, so moving right along here, we have got to talk about WWE uh, Extreme Rules. Now, before we get into that, this segment of WWE Extreme Rules is sponsored by PowerSlam TV. PowerSlam TV has the top promotions and celebrities in the pro wrestling world offering events, shoots, and other related content available for the first time in a single massive location that can be watched on smartphones, computers, and connected TVs. Powerslam.tv showcases premium pro wrestling content from countries all over the world. Use promo code ProWrestlingPod, all one word, ProWrestlingPod, for a month free on us. Visit Powerslam.tv for more info. Matt needs a new car. I need a new car. <laughs> Never forget. <laughs> <laughs> so, first off, before we actually dig into the results, overall as a show, how do you think this show was compared to, I guess, really any of the other pay-per-views this year? You there? Yeah, I said I'd give it a 7. Oh, okay. I'm, I'm sorry. I think the mic must have cut out. A 7. Okay, a 7 I think is fair. Um... I, I I think overall, it, it was a very good pay-per-view, which seems to be WWE's trend. Uh, I, I think I'd go slightly higher, actually, not by much, but I'm going to say maybe like a seven and a half, maybe an eight. Um, I, I thought the match placement was kind of weird. That, that was the main thing I was thinking, too. Um, so, you know, we'll get into, like, I'll do the actual overview. So... Like, for example, this is a prime example. They kicked the show off with The Undertaker and Roman Reigns and Shane McMahon and Drew McIntyre. Why would you kick off the main show with that match? See, it confused me because the show started at 7. I started watching the show a little bit later. It was me about 7.30, kind of going at 8 o'clock. So I brought up the WWE Network, and there's an option for Watch Now, and watch from the beginning. So I clicked watch from the beginning. And then I'm seeing like all the people come out for that match. I'm like, no, this this ain't the first match. There's no way they're kicking off with The Undertaker. Yeah. So I actually hit the rewind button and I started going back into like the pre-show. I'm like, wait a minute, this ain't right. <laughs> I, I actually closed out of the WWE Network, (laughs) brought it back up, hit play from beginning, 
and I started watching everything I just re that I just watched. Right. I'm like, oh my god, they're kicking this off with the Undertaker. Yeah, that, and that was a complete shock. Um, and we're going to get into the card placement, I think, as as we go through this. Um, so let's just go through match by match real quick. Um, Shinsuke Nakamura defeating Finn Balor in the Intercontinental title. This match was added late to the show. Um, and when I say late, I think it was actually added day of, I believe. And I did not see this match all the way through. I did see clips of it. It looked like it was a decent match. A lot of people were actually saying it was one of the better matches of the night. So maybe I should go back and rewatch it. Um, so yeah, Finn Balor's reign as champion was basically meaningless. He only had like three or four TV appearances. And next thing you know, he's dropping it to Shinsuke on a pre-show. <laughs> Um, so it was a wasted opportunity to even give the belt to Finn if that's how you're going to deal with him anyway. Um, I think it's great for Shinsuke because Shinsuke needs to be relevant after the whole Rusev tag team, and that just suddenly ended. So good for Nakamura, but bad for Balor, in, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree with pretty much everything you just said. It's nice to see Nakamura on his own again. That whole tag team with Rusev, I don't think it ever really got up off the ground. No. I, I don't know what WWE was even... Like, it seemed like they didn't even have anything planned for both guys, so they're just like, yeah, we'll stick them together. And... That, well, unfortunately, when, that happens quite a bit. They go, okay, well, you're not doing anything, you're not doing anything, you're a tag team now. Which is ridiculous. Like, if you want to pair people together, fine, but they should have a common like enemy or common goal or something um you know so it was bad booking to begin with uh hopefully good things come for this more so for shinsuke because again with finn they're just they need to reboot finn balor bad and hopefully this feud with bray maybe that'll be the start of it so we'll see but pre-show match number two drew gulak defending his wwe cruiserweight championship against tony niece and I mentioned that Drew Gallick retained his title. Um, I didn't see the pre-show. I usually don't. So I can't really tell you anything about the match. Yeah, I'm pretty much the same way. Uh, I don't really watch 205 Live anyways. I mean, once in a good while, if I'm bored enough, I'll flip it on. Right. So, Okay. Uh, as we mentioned this match earlier, again, kicking off the main show, uh, not a fan of the placement, but we got to talk about this match. Undertaker and Roman Reigns defeating Shane McMahon and Drew McIntyre in a no-holds-barred tag team match. Uh, without a doubt, in my opinion, match of the night. Um, one of my favorite spots was the fact that Taker was eyeing down Shane for something, I believe, but they got this incredible shot of Drew McIntyre right behind him, gearing up for a Claymore towards the end of the match. And next, you know, Roman comes out of nowhere and spears Drew. Um, one of the best setups for a finish I think I've seen in recent memory. So kudos to WWE. Kudos for Taker for looking pretty good. Uh, Chain hit all of his usual spots. Uh, Drew looked pretty good. I think this was a match that all four guys really looked good. In the beginning of the match, the Undertaker is in the ring with someone. And he's doing his whole Undertaker thing. 
<clears throat> and in the background, you can see Roman Reigns kind of like marking out and like smiling at it. <laughs> this was a fun match, uh, without a doubt, you know. And after uh, Roman and Taker win, which by the way, WWE is calling them the Graveyard Dogs. How cool of a name is that? I didn't even hear that name until now, so that does sound kind of cool. Oh, yeah, you go on WWEshop.com, and I really wish I had a bell right now because I would ding. But anyway, uh, they do ding. have, they do have I think, like a shirt maybe two that calls, calls them the Graveyard Dogs. I just, I love that. That's a really cool name. Um, and then after the match, Roman Reigns and The Undertaker, they kind of like share this moment in the ring and Taker tells Roman, this is your yard now, and uh, so in some ways it was like a passing of the torch, I think. Um, Which they kind of already did that at WrestleMania. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't know if that was needed to have that moment, but I mean, it's so cool to see, I guess. But um, yeah, I love this match. Yeah, it was a good match. Disappointing that it was the opening match. Like, they should have saved that for either second to last or last. I absolutely agree. Uh, The next match on the card saw the Revival retaining their WWE Raw Tag Team titles against the Usos. So, in other words, the Usos were not down since day one-ish against the Revival. Because the Revival proved that there are no flips, just fists. Um, And they broke out the Uso Penitentiary. Oh, I see what you did there. Um, they did not need Usi Hot to slide through the bars. Okay, I tried. Anyway. <laughs> I like it. I like it. <laughs> um, I think this is a good win for the Revival. The Usos, in my opinion, they're at a stage where they can lose a couple and it's not going to kill them. The Revival need wins at this point far more than the Usos. Yeah, the Revival, I'm kind of glad they're tag team champions. They're a good tag team. And you don't want to see them like on the outs, kind of going, okay, well, we can't get the job done here. We're going to AEW. Right. Because they're just, they're that talented and they can really help build up a lacking tag team division. And, and not to mention the fact that they are friends with the Young Bucks. So WWE is really smart to try to push them and try to make them as happy as they can right now. So Absolutely. I, 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 I think it's 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 the right thing. This match, the next match, I think should actually have been, and again, it goes back to whole match placement. I think this match should have been later in the night. Aleister Black defeating Cesaro. Uh, for weeks, we've seen Aleister Black begging for someone to knock on the door, and the call was finally answered to be Cesaro, as it was heavily rumored. And these guys put on an amazing match, I thought. See, I kind of disagree with you a little bit. I feel like this match should have been the opening match. Really? Yeah, I mean, there was... There's not a whole lot surrounding this match. Uh, Cesaro, they haven't really done anything with him in a while. Aleister Black's his first match back in however long. It just feels like a good spot, his opening match. And plus, with as good of a match as they put on... It gets the crowd pumped and excited for the rest of the show. Yeah, that that is true. That is fair. I think 
in a weird way, it's kind of a lesser of two evils because it's like you have if you had to choose between that match and then the Taker and Roman match to start the show, I think WWE's line of thinking was, well, let's kind of throw the fans a curveball and get the Taker match out first. And this way it's going to give this huge pop to the crowd. It's going to be an entertaining match, which it was. Uh, I think on the flip side to that, though, and I guess to your point, is that this feud probably had the least amount of steam going forward, but also at the same time you knew it was going to excite the crowd. So there's kind of good and bad in both matches starting the show. If you go back and watch pretty much any episode of Monday Nitro, the way how Eric Bischoff set it up was the opening match was always a cruiserweight match. And his way of thinking was the cruiserweight division was different in that the guys had different style where they're flying all over the ring. It gets the crowd excited. And after that, you got a real high energy crowd for the rest of the show. And I kind of like that way of thinking. So that's why I kind of think that maybe the Cesaro Alistair black match should have started off. It kind of whets the fans' appetite, is what you're saying. Right, exactly. That's fair. That's fair. Bailey retaining her WWE SmackDown Women's Championship in a handicap match against Nikki Cross and Alexa Bliss. This match, I'm going to go ahead and say this was the most disappointing match of the night. And the reason why I say that is because I was really hoping for two things to happen. One of two things to happen. Um, Sasha Banks coming out to even the odds or Nikki Cross turning on Alexa. Yeah, I think that's what everyone was kind of expecting. So in a way, I guess it's not a bad idea for them not to go with either one of those ideas. But the match itself wasn't anything special either. Even the crowd was chanting, this is awful. Yeah. And it's, it's a shame because... I don't care for Bailey. I I'm a fan of Nikki Cross if she's in the right storyline and Alexa Bliss. I think she kind of speaks for herself. All three of them, though, regardless of how I feel, they have talent. And so to book them the way they did, I felt like it was very underwhelming. I feel like at this point in her career, Bailey is in the same spot that Becky Lynch was in before she adopted the whole man gimmick. Right. Yeah, you know, she she needs she needs her version of a bloody nose to come around around to really uh, steer her ship the right way. And honestly, I just hope it comes sooner than later. Well, what really turned Becky around was when she attacked Charlotte Flair after the triple threat match that they had uh, with Carmella for yeah. the SmackDown Women's Championship. Yeah, but what I'm saying is like I don't like. That's true, but I think that when Nia Jax broke Becky Lynch's nose, it kind of, like, elevated her to more of, like, badass territory in the sense of she's like, yeah, I have this broken nose, but that's not going to stop me from beating someone down. And I kind of feel like you need to give Bailey some kind of edge. True, but that triple going back to that triple threat match with um, Becky, Charlotte, and Carmella, that was what WWE should do with Bailey because it worked with Becky Lynch. It gave her that edge. Mm-hmm. It kind of turned her character 
completely around. And at this point, even though she's a Raw Women's Champion, or I'm sorry, the SmackDown Women's Champion, her character, it's stale. Yeah. There's nothing unique about it. Uh, and you know, it's a bad situation when you're the champion and during your match, the fans are chanting, this is awful. Yeah. That's, that's usually not a, a good sign. No, it's not. Yeah. So hopefully she turns it around. Anyway, the next match on the card, Braun Strowman defeating Bobby Lashley in a last man standing match. Again, I think going with placement, I don't know if I would have had this in the middle of the show. Um, I kind of think I'd save it like for a couple matches later, personally. Um, I think it would have been like May third to last or fourth to last. Yeah, because given with how they had that epic Rob encounter, uh, or I think it was yeah, it was actually a match where they went through the set and everything. You would think that with this match, like you knew it was going to be carnage. I don't understand like why like you would have it in the middle necessarily, but I guess at the same time, I get it. You kind of want to break up the monotony of non-stipulations and stipulated matches. So I guess I get it in that perspective, but overall it was, it was two giants going at it. What more can you expect? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, they did find a good last man standing match. Yeah, and as I'm looking at the card, oh, oh no, I thought that was the longest match. It, it wasn't, but um, yeah, I mean they 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 did their job. You know, you expect two guys to raise hell, and they did. So I hope this goes well for both guys. Do you agree? Like in retrospect, I'm not talking about our predictions. I'm talking about more in retrospect. Do you think it was a good idea for Braun to go over on Lashley, or do you think this kind of hurt Lashley? It's one of those situations where it works both ways. It's good for Strowman to go over, but it hurts Lashley for Strowman to go over. Yeah. It it almost seems like it would make more sense just to have Lashley win. But then the only problem I have with that is you need to figure out a way to get Braun Strowman to stay down for a count of 10. (laughs) And that's where they're going to have their problem because... That's not going to happen. <laughs> I mean, they've shown videos of Strowman flipping over cars and uh, semis and whatnot. It's like, however you make him go down, it has to be good. Well, and see, this is kind of why I wish they wouldn't have shown that kind of stuff. Because you're not suspending my belief when I see Strowman lifting around trucks with chain strap to his back. Like, like it seemed like those video packages seemed to benefit him far more than Bobby. And I really do think that had they not shown that video package, I think I might be a little bit more inclined to believe that there was a possibility last year could have won. Yeah. It's just, uh, Strowman, they just build them up too much sometimes. I agree. And that that hurts his his character because then you're limited as to what you can have him do in the ring. It's a now, Goldberg I, situation all over again. Right. Now I remember our last man standing match that John Cena had. I want to say it was against Batista. I could be wrong on that, but 
the winner of the match, I want to say it was John Cena, handcuffed his opponent to a ring post so that they literally could not get up for a count of 10. I almost think if you were to have Strowman lose a last man standing match, that would be the direction you would have to go. Yeah, exactly. But then again, with his strength, you would think, okay, well, he can break out of those. Yeah, I mean, then that's the kind of uh, traction you're giving him is not much. All right, moving on, a triple threat tag team match for the WWE SmackDown Tag Team Championships, the New Day, defeating the new Daniel Bryan and Rowan, who were the champions, and Heavy Machinery, Otis and Tucker. Um, Now, if you recall, when we made our predictions, I call that this would steal the show. Okay. I I feel like I was wrong on that statement. (laughs) I'll admit it. It didn't steal the show. Uh, It was a decent match. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it wasn't anything to write home about, but, you know, I mean, it had potential. I mean, I, I don't know. I think, like, towards this point, I started to lose a little bit of interest because, again, these shows with how many matches and how long it is, it gets exhausting. So there are times where you tune out, and I think this was the point where I was starting to because, honestly, I don't even really remember this match a whole lot. Actually, this match, when it started, I watched, a, like, a minute or two of it, and then I'm like, okay, I got to get dinner going or I got to straighten up the kitchen or something like that. So I turned up the volume and I walked into the kitchen so I can still hear it. And then I remember just thinking to myself, this ain't good because I called that this was going to steal the show and I'm getting up and walking away <laughs> from this. Yeah. So, you know, I, congrats to New Day. All three members have belts now. I mean... Okay. So is the Freebird rule still in effect? I don't know. Can Kofi still defend the tag team title now? That's a good point, because I was thinking about this. Like, how weird would that be if WWE said, okay, there's the Freebird rule is in effect, but also for the WWE Championship it's in effect. Like, I know they won't do that, but, like, how weird would that be? That would be really weird to see, um, like, Xavier Woods defending the championship. <laughs> right. Like, I just, I don't know. I just thought that was kind of weird. I, I don't know if it, I mean, it kind of seems like they're letting uh, Biggie and Xavier do their own thing while Kofi's champion, which is cool. Kind of figure that was going to happen sooner or later anyway. So, yeah. At least they didn't break them up. Yeah. Not yet. AJ, yeah. <laughs> AJ Styles with the club defeating Ricochet for the United States title. Great match. Um, uh, it's just it's still weird to me seeing AJ as, as a heel, but you know, I thought it, it was pretty it's, a, it's a little weird, but I think it's weird seeing him with a championship that's not the WWE championship. Right. I mean, yeah. I mean, we'll see how it goes though. I think it's it is still pretty cool that he's back with Gallus and Anderson. But this time you need to use Gallus and Anderson in the right way and not just being AJ's lackeys. Like, don't make them be second fiddle. Make them as a cohesive unit. I don't know if I see that happening, though. I, I, think, I, I don't either. I think they're just going to play second fiddle. They're going to be lackeys. 
But on the flip side, at least they're doing something. Right. Uh, this match was also added a little bit later, I believe, and that is Kevin Owens versus Dolph Ziggler in a shocker of a match, which Kevin Owens wins in 17 seconds. So I don't know how much of this match we can really review. I uh, you know what, Nick. I love this match. Lots of high spots going on in this. And- Kofi Kingston defeating Samoa Joe for the WWE Championship. That is how you cut someone off. Um, I, thought, <laughs> I thought it was an okay match. Um, could have been better. Could have been worse. Uh, the spot where Joe put Kofi's hands underneath the stairs, I thought that was pretty wild. But other than that, it was all right. I think that was the spot that made me kind of like start paying more attention to the match. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm starting to find it very hard to bet against Kofi right now. Yeah. I, I Same. I mean, there, it, it's a whole booking thing. I don't know how many more wins Kofi has in him for this title reign. I said two weeks ago, or I believe last week when we did our prediction video that, I think uh, Kofi's reign is going to end at SummerSlam. And I, I think I am still sticking to that, but keep in mind, it hasn't been announced yet, so we'll see. Uh, last chance winners take all Extreme Rules mixed tag team match rolls right off the tongue for both the Universal Championship and the Raw Women's Championship as Seth Rounds and Becky Lynch defend their titles respectively against Baron Corbin and Lacey Evans. I thought this was an okay match, too. Like, I, I, I shouldn't say okay. I think it was a good match. Um, I thought it was insane to see Baron Corbin hit the end of days on Becky Lynch. Um, I, I thought it was cool to see Seth Rollins' reaction to that when he took the chair and just started oh. <laughs> beating Corbin with it. Yeah, that, that was shades of, like, an Attitude Era-esque feel, I think. Which is good. I think it's the right call to go back to like attitude era like moments right. that kind of helped out to be out yeah and last but not least afterwards brock lesnar defeating seth rollins for the universal title in a money in the bank cash and match give me my half point because i told you lesnar was going to cash in that's fine i'll give you your half point you want me to go over the totals go for it Okay, I came in with eight wins on the card. Okay. Nick, you came in with seven and a half. Oh, wins. my gosh. You beat me by a half point. So, do you want me to tell you the current standings and the results? <laughs> I wish you wouldn't, but I know you're going to. I have a two oh one record <laughs> you have an o two and one record <laughs> oh boy i keep this up i'm gonna be the 2016 cleveland browns <laughs> oh man that that's good that's that's great um well in these pay-per-views i will beat you and i really hope it's sooner rather than later maybe it'll be at uh summer slammer maybe we'll even be at aw's all out which i don't know if we're gonna do a prediction video we'll have to talk about that but Either way, one of these times, I will beat you. Well, see, here's my problem with this. Here we go. Is, on one of the matches that we betted on, 
let's see, there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. There's ten matches that we that we made predictions on. Alright. Out of those ten matches, I only missed two matches. You missed three matches. So basically you got sent out seven out of ten right. I got eight out of ten right. Does that mean that these pay-per-views are becoming more and more predictable. They are. Uh, but you know what, though? I would venture to say that's not necessarily a bad thing. Uh, and the reason why I say that is because, like, the way the matches have been set up, especially for pay-per-views, it seems like even though the show's predictable, the matches are still really entertaining. So I'd, in a weird way, I kind of think they offset. Um, now, if the matches sucked or the storylines were even less entertaining i th- i think it would be a really bad problem to have but i don't know i i feel like right now wwe as much criticism as what they get from fans i think that right now they have to look on the bright side these pay-per-views have been pretty good this whole year i mean i can't really think of a pay-per-view that was just terrible from beginning to end all right well let's take a match like Oscar black versus cesaro we both okay. have picked Alistair Black to win. So obviously we both were correct on that. What would have been so bad about them saying, you know what? Let's swerve everyone here. Let's have Cesaro pick up the win. Well, and going back to the predictions video, I said that wouldn't surprise me if WWE had Cesaro win. I, I, I don't, if you're talking about this match in particular, I don't think it was a bad thing to have Cesaro go over. But the problem is, is that WWE was, is obviously they're pushing Aleister Black and to have his very first match since him and Ricochet were a tag team and in a loss, it kind of leaves him a little bit dead on arrival unless if you're, if, unless if you did something really big after the match. Um, Because let's face it right now, Cesaro does need wins, but I don't think this match necessarily hurt him i I don't know it's tough well see i'm not just using that like that's that's not me calling out that one in particular match yeah i'm just using that as an example that there's certain matches on each card tour they could look at like okay well it doesn't really matter we can switch things around just to keep things fresh and entertaining right um Actually, that match I thought was a good example because Cesaro does need a win on a on a big event. Yeah. And I think that would have been the time to do it. Aleister Black, you could have had him in the ring like going crazy that he lost and me grabbing a chair and beat up Cesaro kind of like further push that storyline. Yeah, which I think actually, and like I said, it, it really... They really would have had to have something big happen. I think if you went down that route, you could set up a SummerSlam match with a stipulation, and it would be a phenomenal match either way. Also, shout out to that one spot that uh, Cesaro did where um, Aleister Black was on the top ropes and he was going to land for like both knees right onto Cesaro's head, but Cesaro catches him and power bombs him. Oh, that was nothing God. but pure strength. The strength on Cesaro never ceases to amaze me. 
how about in the beginning of the match though when Cesaro sat down Indian style like how <laughs> Alistair Black usually does? And Alistair Black's face was like, Oh, look at this guy. <laughs> yeah, that 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 was a that was a really entertaining match. So, you know, kudos to those guys. So how you feeling, Matt? Uh, feeling pretty good. And uh, before we close out the show, I just want to give a quick shout out here to Mega Championship Wrestling. They did an outstanding job with their show. Yes, they um, do. For those of you who don't know yet, on the Facebook page, there's this one match that ended up going inside a bouncy house. Like a bouncy house. It, it had like this long slide that. You go up the one end and slide back down. Um, I actually ran over there with my with my phone, took video <laughs> of it. That video alone has had so many likes and shares; it's ridiculous. If you haven't seen it, go check out our Facebook page, watch it. Yeah, I think it's pretty entertaining. Yeah, Facebook.com/slash Pro Wrestling Pod. That's where you can find it. They also um, before the show, you can walk around kind of like see some of the wrestlers and uh we had our autistic nephew there and one of the wrestlers from lsd was actually kind enough to give him the tag team belt so he can pose for a, a picture with him and his dad and that was also a very liked post that we put up there so check that out uh facebook.com slash pro wrestling pod yeah, uh, it, it really, and I, I said this before, I'll say it again. Uh, in my opinion, not just the indies, but a, like local wrestling in your area, to me, that is the heartbeat of pro wrestling. You know, you're going to find the passion. You're going to find guys who love interacting with the fans, who aren't afraid to take pictures like that. Um, and, you know, I'm just, I'm beyond thankful for everything Mega has done for us. And, uh, you know, I, I hope it's reciprocated, but, you know, to, to see our nephew's face just light up at the wrestling, at the wrestlers taking pictures with him, I'm sure it made his day. Yeah, you know, it definitely made my day. So, you know, kudos to them. So uh, how are you feeling, Nick? <sighs> I was feeling good. Hello? What about now? <laughs> I feel a lot better. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> Thanks. You want to hit up the show, the Gmail's Pro Wrestling Pod at gmail.com. Once again, Pro Wrestling Pod at gmail.com. Facebook.com slash Pro Wrestling Pod. Once again, Facebook.com slash Pro Wrestling Pod. As Matt told you, you can find all that awesome stuff from Mega, as well as us giving a little shout out to Mega with their next show, Making the Grade, September 7th. Get your tickets now. Twitter.com. Uh, yeah, yeah, twitter.com slash prowpodcast is the Twitter, aka at prowpodcast. Prowrestlingpod.blogspot.com, once again, prowrestlingpod.blogspot.com. Interviews, blogs, episodes, all that good stuff. Available on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, and right here on Anchor. My name is Nick. My name is Matt. See you guys next time. Are you sure Tristras is not a hooker? I'm, you know, I, I, I'm not... I, I, I got my credit card on. ready. <laughs> Question is, where do you swipe? Oh. <laughs> Time has arrived. We are broadcasting raw live from my ass. Boom, boom. I'd rather.
rather watch two old women slap my ass. <laughs> That's as tough as a chunk of my ass. Here comes the biggest ass. ass, ass, ass. The big man is back. Jim Ross. 350 pounds here. Say hello to my ass. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the greatest spectacle on earth. My ass. 30 men will enter. My ass. You know what I mean. The most important thing to a tag team is my ass. I totally agree with you, JR. Here you go, King. Kiss my ass. I wish you would jump on top of me, JR. It disgusts me to see my ass. My daughter's nursery rhymes are more aggressive than this. I can't help but look at the butt, JR. What?